This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Greg Fish has some amazing tips on how to spot fake science news. He highlights how that news could be lying to you, either accidentally, by omission, or actually a direct result of fraud. Sir Christopher Gilbert is back on the shift with wild stories from around the world on the International Dispatch. As a Kiwi, it's his duty to explain to us Canadians why the health minister in New Zealand told New Zealanders to spread their legs to stop the spread of COVID-19. Plus, there are wild stories involving monkeys, affairs, and bad investments. Not all the same story, just to be clear. Plus, are you okay with roommates? And what about pets, cats, dogs, and in Ryan's case, geckos? It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. Download it, like it, please do me a favor and share it with your friends. It's time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with Shane not being ready for Are You Okay? Are you okay with having a roommate? No, I got rid of him. And it's it's been great. <laughs> Jeez, I love sounded- it. Yeah. I got rid of all my roommates. It's been great. I just want to say hi to Doug on the text message. He told me to get over myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Doug. Yeah. I, um, uh, I have a roommate, and it's he's he's also one of my best friends, so it kind of works out. But would I want a roommate with someone I didn't know at all? Uh, never. Not not a chance. Really? Huh? Uh, no. I don't mind living with someone. It's nice to not be alone all the time, although I do miss... Like having easy access to privacy, if that makes sense. Who was your last roommate? My mom and my <laughs> brother. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't believe you actually said it. I was just I'm throwing it out there, wondering if you were going to say it or not. So I think that's great. I did. <laughs> uh, I I have two roommates. They don't pay rent. They don't do the dishes. Uh, they don't really help out around the house. They come and go as they please. They leave their stuff lying around. They smell funny. But if the the law says I have to take care of them until they're eighteen, so whatever. Having a roommate that you didn't even know about, would you be okay with that? Uh, yeah, it, I guess if they were quiet, and if <laughs> they were paying me. Well, you wouldn't know. Well, okay. What if you had a roommate that you didn't even know about who was also sleeping with your wife? Eh? Any takers? Uh, no, I'll have to pass respectfully. There are some people in this world that would say, hmm, less work for me. There are people out there. According to police, Tracy Reeves alerted her husband that an intruder was inside their home. Frank Reeves armed himself with his gun and fired several shots at that intruder. But that intruder wasn't pretty a, a intruder. Oh, no. I don't not oh, really no. sure what happened there. Yeah. I did. Uh, I'm kind of sure that it was. A typo. I'm not really sure what <laughs> happened there. Um, I'm sure. That's a typo. Well, uh, that intruder wasn't really an intruder. How about we go with that? Does that work? Sure. Here's more from Fox 10. Deputies say Frank Reeves got into a gun battle inside the home with the man he thought was an intruder. But investigators say that man, Michael Amaker, is Tracy Reeves' boyfriend. According to deputies, Tracy was letting Amaker live inside the home for more than a year, and her husband never had a clue. But Sunday night, that secret began to unravel. 
Investigators say both men shot each other. Frank was hit in the chest. Amaker shot in the leg and elbow, both taken to the hospital. Mobile County Sheriff's Captain Paul Birch says Amaker and Tracy Reeves were high on methamphetamines, calling this one one of the most bizarre cases he's ever seen. It was just a very odd scene to, to have to work with, something that we really have I haven't seen that particular type of case you know, in 30, 30 plus years. So. Whoa. How did he live in the house for an entire year without yeah. that guy even knowing? Like, even if you like were the husband, high on meth. The yeah. husband at that point, you know, you're just not paying attention or something. At that point, when there's another man living in your house and sleeping with your wife and you don't know about it for a whole year. Um, which, by the way, that was a weird story before methamphetamine came into it, even. Currently, charges for Amaker are assault first, possession of a controlled substance, possession of a firearm with an altered serial number. Yeah. Uh, the, so how I know, was your right? day? It, it was a wacky, <laughs> that's a wacky story to unpack there. Uh, so when let, Tracy gets together with her friends, someone she hasn't seen in a little while, and they say, Tracy, so how are things? Well, funny story. <laughs> like, how do you, like, it's in the news. How do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you think they oh, knew man. about the, the other guy? The friends? Or, what, yeah. Or was she hiding wow. it the whole time? That would be like know, just insanity. Hey, nobody died. So there's that. But a relationship well, certainly did. Uh, one of them, maybe both. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. Somebody was really busy. Are you okay? Are you okay with adopting a pet? Oh, this is funny. Oh, maybe a cat if I had to, because they can mostly take no. care of themselves. Um, they'll eat your eyes. Yeah. I don't. What's yeah, with the eating of the eyes? Cats? Do they eat your eyes? If you if you like died in They're your sleeping. house. Uh huh. Well, if I died in my house, yeah, sure, the cat can eat me. I don't care. No. No. I don't think I'm a cat's gonna eat you. your eyes while you sleep, Shane. I think you might be a little too exactly. worried about it. Yeah. No. I don't think I would. I don't, I wouldn't get a cat. I, I would, if I, dogs are a lot of work. That is what I've learned from Laura, my partner getting Cora. Cora is a golden retriever puppy and she's insane. And she's so much work, but she's the most amazing thing. Me, if I was by myself, I would not get a dog. I would get like a, a cool little lizard a neat little lizard. That's what I would get. What is wrong with you? Lizards are sweet. They can, like, the, what about those geckos that are always smiling? I love those. Or salamanders? Yeah. I don't know. They're cool. I like. I don't I like know, them. but, like, wouldn't you get a pet so you could cuddle it? You can't cuddle yeah, a Yeah, but lizard. you can cuddle no. them. They're, yeah, they're all friendly. No. Go, they're all over TikTok, man. Seriously. Cuddle? I'm, I'm debating it. Yeah. You roll over and your pet is dead. <laughs> that might be a problem. I wouldn't bring it to bed. Let me put it that way. Well, that's the He's point is the cuddling. Well, if you're in the New York area listening to The Shift, you should keep an eye out for Andrew Cuomo's dog. The former governor of New York just stepped down following accusations of sexual harassment, and he apparently needs someone to take his dog. 
According to the Times Union, Andrew M. Cuomo has been staying with one of his sisters in Westchester County in the final days of his third term. Recently, he has asked staff members at the executive mansion if anybody would like to keep his dog, Captain. That's a good name for a dog. Here, Cappy. The dog has remained at the state-owned residence after the governor moved out last week. So he left his dog behind. Here's more from Inside Edition with Cuomo's response. Captain is described as a high-strung mix of shepherd, Siberian, and Malamute. He has nipped a few people since Cuomo adopted him in 2018. Plus, he's apparently not house-trained. Cuomo is trying to give the dog away, but no luck yet. A member of his staff recently took the dog home for a few days, but decided Captain was too much dog to handle. A spokesman for Cuomo vehemently denies the dog is getting ditched, saying, Captain is part of the governor's family, and for your nameless, ill-informed source to imply they've been trying to give him away is untrue. Today is Cuomo's last day in office, following his resignation in the wake of the sexual harassment scandal involving 11 women. He made his farewell address to the state at noon today. The truth will out in time. Of that, I am confident. Have I been saying Malamute wrong all this time, or did she say Malamute wrong in the story? That's my takeaway. Uh, I'm getting... Mm. Wait. <laughs> um, I just pronounce it dog. That's how I pronounce it. There you go. Big dog. Big dog. I uh, I don't know. Now uh, we want to clear something up, by the way. Richard Azapardi, a senior advisor and spokesman for the governor, said the arrangement was only temporary because the governor is hoping to take a vacation. Let's hope all that's true. Don't ditch your dog, dude. Come on. Yeah, it's bad op- that's bad optics, man. Are you okay? Yeah, you get the dog because you're the governor, but then you... See you later, pooch. See you later, Cappy. You're out the door. Are you okay with ramen? Who's not? Yeah, it's amazing, especially when you you can do it simple or you can get, make it all fancy and like put an egg in it and actually like put effort into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you can do something disgusting like Itch a Crafty where you make ramen and combine it <laughs> with Mac Craft Dinner and it's just Kraft Dinner noodles with ramen noodles and Ichiban's seasoning. Really? It's awful, but it's really, really great if you had a long night, if you get what oh, I mean. Oh, hangover yeah. food. A delicious yes. Japanese noodle dish can be amazing in a restaurant and at home. Instant ramen is the official dinner choice of Kaledige. 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 What a word to misspell. <laughs> the irony is impossible to escape. <laughs> Oh, yikes. Instant ramen is the official dinner choice of college students and prisoners, question mark? Yep. Ramen is the most valuable things you can find in jails. In fact, one prisoner wrote a ramen cookbook once he got out. He spoke with Vox News. It's a new channel, Vox, V-O-X. About why ramen is, is that a real channel? Why ramen is so valuable in prison. Ramen is the best and easiest currency because everybody uses it. That's everybody's staple to cook. You gotta have ramen. Because prisoners can't possess cash, they use objects to trade for other goods and services. And anything that replaces cash has to be durable, portable, divisible into standardized units, and highly valued. Ramen fits the bill. 
because unlike other traded objects like stamps, which are expensive, and tobacco, which is banned in most prisons, ramen is cheap and easy to get a hold of. In the commissary, a single pack of ramen runs about 59 cents on average. But once it's out of the official commissary, ramen's value is determined by an informal prison economy. A 2016 study found that while a sweatshirt costs $10.81 at the commissary at Sunbelt State Penitentiary, an inmate could sell that sweatshirt for two packs of ramen, increasing the value of ramen by 916%. Have I been saying penitentiary wrong? Or penitentiary? I was wondering that too. <laughs> I swear this is unintentional. <laughs> I did Jail. get a text from Trucker Dan. He says it's malamute, mute as in unable to speak. So, uh, penitentiary, uh, malamute. Maybe we're learning. I, maybe I've got this wrong all my life. So with all of this in mind, you can understand why a prison in Washington state is offering inmates free for inmates free ramen if they get vaccinated for COVID-19. According to the Olympian, a Benton County jail in Kennewick has been handing out 10 free packs of the popular commissary item as a vaccine incentive. This is the Shift Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. To the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Fishy, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. I didn't mean to offend you by saying that uh, stuffed version of you with a flippy tail. It's a good dog toy that uh, that Ryan should get. I didn't mean to. Don't be offended. You know what? That's okay. Seamus plays with something exactly like that all the time. Who's Seamus? Seamus is... My dog, and if you want to know what he looks like, you should go to Instagram, Seamus the Shaggy Dog, S-E-A-M-U-S, which is the only proper way to spell it. Shaggy Dog Instagram. Um, Seamus O'Shagasy? That is correct. How come he's not the fish? How come he's not Seamus O'Fish? Oh, he is Shaggy. He's his he's his own dog. You have to you you have to give him that. But he's a family yep. member. He's got he's a member of the fishy family. I, again, we we wanted to make sure that he can keep his identity. He is adopted. Um, he he understands. <laughs> he he wants to keep in touch with his dog roots, and and we didn't want okay. to intervene with that. Fair enough. He is very shaggy, though, isn't he? Yes, yes, he All is right. a little a All little right. less shaggy right now, but yeah. Um, he's very cute. Okay, so I'm going to post this on the uh, Shift Facebook group, which, by the Please way, a uh, Shift Facebook group, and we uh, the Shift Facebook group is uh, is up to 50 people or something now, all of a sudden, out of the blue. So, just saying, it's a big deal. We have 13 like yesterday, so this is exciting. So, if you want to meet Seamus the Shaggy Dog. From Greg Fish, you can do it there. Fish, what's going on with the science? Are we getting lied to? Is this the topic today? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, the topic is a little bit more complicated than that, but the simplest way to explain it is that right now, we really need to pay attention to what science and scientists say. At the same time, not all science is created equal. And there's all these debates and people who come out and say, well, you know, science has lied to us before. We've gotten bad science before. We've gotten bad studies. And that's all true. But now the question is, how do we understand where bad science comes from 
how do we identify it, and what we do about it. So those are the three things that I wanted to talk about tonight. Okay. Uh, so what is bad science? Where, should, where would you like to start with this? So bad science really comes in two main forms. The first and the most obvious version is fraud. Someone needs a result that gets them noticed, that gets them published, that gets them attention. So they just create all sorts of pretenses to manipulate data in one way or another or outright fake it to get the result that they want, to get the media attention that they want. Uh, one mm -hmm. example of that right now is Cornell scientist Brian Wanzik, who had a very prestigious food and brand lab. They got a lot of attention on daytime talk shows where they talk a lot about um, weight loss and how you should eat better and what kind of exercise you should do to get six-pack abs. Um, and what really happened is he wasn't discovering all these um, really interesting things. He was essentially doing a bunch of experiments and then having his fellow researchers manipulate the data until they got something that sounded really interesting and catchy. And they were specifically looking for that. So that obviously is the worst kind of science. But there is a much more insidious type of science that we're exposed it's to. It's not really science. It's seeking evidence. It's not even science at all, really. Yeah, you, you know, fair, fair point. It's not even science. It's just fraud. So, but, uh, but at the same time, but at the same time, there is, there are scientists who set out uh, with the best intentions mm -hmm. and do a really good job creating their experiments and analyzing their data to come up with conclusions that don't actually work in the real world. Because what happens is being a person is complicated. And when you start um, incorporating all the outside factors, um, a lot of these conclusions that seem very cut and dry are very muddled. So, for example, there's a lot of studies go back and forth about the benefits of drinking wine or drinking coffee. One set of studies says it'll shorten your lifespan. Another says, oh, no, it's great for you. Uh, one study says that having a little bit of an extra BMI is detrimental to your health. Another says, well, no, it's actually totally fine for you. In fact, it may prolong your life. Well, what's happening there? What's happening is that these researchers are studying very different groups of people. One set is studying people who are, well, the as, as we would politely describe, socioeconomic, socioeconomically disadvantaged. They eat a diet that has more processed foods because that's cheaper. Uh, they don't exercise as much. They don't have as good of access to medical care. Uh, they might neglect their medical care. And, and unfortunately, the statistics say that people who are poorer live shorter lives that have a worse quality. But other researchers study people who are wealthier and they have the luxury of drinking drinking more, maybe more coffee than they should and more alcohol than they should and put in a few extra pounds. But it doesn't really matter because they have the time and the resources to go and work it off uh, or do other things that compensate for that. And they have better access to medical care. So they end up living longer. So what they're really finding is not whether coffee or wine is good for you. They're basically finding whether having more money is good for you and confirming over and over again that yes, yes, it is. If you're if you're better off, you, you live longer. And mm -hmm. those are a lot of those studies end up packaged for us on the news as, oh, if you eat this much chocolate a day or if you drink this much wine a day, it helps you. Or if you drink more than this many cups of coffee a day, you risk cancer. And and all of these are, are very 
um, spurious correlations that have been put out uh, by people who are looking to who basically go through studies and say, is there anything that we can turn into like a click worthy article? And in the end, that's really kind of what 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 happens. You take a study that it doesn't really say very much. It, it kind of points to some in some directions to do further research. And they try to sell it as, oh, we found this really definitive thing. Um, news programs reported right away. People click on it. People share on it. And it becomes popular wisdom, even though science doesn't. The science doesn't actually say anything like that, and the study itself doesn't really even prove anything definitively. It is hard to distinguish between the two, but in you know your opinion, fish. How much of science, as we understand and relate it to each other, is science, like at least reporting on someone else's research, or versus how much is marketing that we take as science? This is this is kind of an educated guess, but I would probably say about 80% is yeah, the marketing. I was even thinking maybe a little bit higher, right? That in it, most cases, possibly. we recycle like a game of telephone the marketing not the actual information or science or quoting research or something like that that me we more often will spin it um so this might not one might not translate um to you but we can throw a couple things out there for example um frying an egg in a frying pan this is your brain what's the next statement of that commercial do you know um, I, I vaguely remember it, but I was too young. Yeah, you might be too young. This is your brain on drugs. That was Ronald Reagan's uh, anti-drugs campaign. Um, what about, I don't know if this one translates cause you're in America. Um, milk, it does a body good, right? That's, that that's one, marketing. That one I know. Yeah. Right. So, um, th that's all marketing. That's not actually science. No, not really, because if you actually ask scientists, does milk do a body good? The scientists will say, well, depends on There's the body and yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe not, 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 it doesn't make that much of an, it doesn't make that much of a difference. It doesn't make We're that much of an impact. talking about milk, right? Yeah. But I so do remember when I was little, when I was little, I, I consumed a lot of dairy products because it was considered that, yeah, you, if you you drink milk, you get strong bones. That's strong just, bones. that's just how it goes. Otherwise that's you're going to really be like this, this broken mushy puddle of bendy bones, you know, on the playground. That was sort of the way that it was always sold to us. Yeah. And then, you know, Popeye, the sailor man who eats spinach, spinach. to gain strength. The reason why spinach was supposed to be so healthy is actually due to a typo. Spinach has about as much iron as watermelons in it, but someone moved a couple decimal places and all of a sudden it became this incredible source of iron, just as good as a steak. But the reality is it's 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 not bad for you. Huh. It it has, you know, like any greens, it has enough vitamins that, that make it worth eating, but it's not the superfood that it's sold. In fact, the whole idea of superfoods is absolute nonsense. It's a marketing term that's been invented by people who are trying to sell you smoothies and yogurts and, and things of that nature. Uh, but if we're talking about selling, one of the important one of the important things that we need to think about is that there's quite a few scientists out there whose tenure depends on writing papers that catch people's attention, get cited a lot, and get noted a lot, so they basically don't lose their jobs. 
Mm-hmm. And in so this is exactly why the Food and Brand Lab was going going to the lengths of making up studies. And in fact, kind of the worst example of this is a nutritionist from the University of Minnesota named Ansel Keys. Now you probably haven't heard of him. This actually no. comes from the this is, these are actually studies that come from the 1950s that blamed fat in our food as the number one cause of obesity. Yeah, and I what happened? Which yeah, well, what happened was the studies supposedly made sense and they looked good, but then further science, other scientists came along and said, actually, you know what? It's the sugar. It's the sugar and sugar substitutes that are the number one reason why people are getting fat. And um, Ansel Keys did not react to that very well. Um, he used his influence to discredit and blackball a lot of researchers, get their research effectively silenced and buried in low-quality journals where they wouldn't be read. And then on top of that, he started creating studies that supposedly demonstrated that he was absolutely correct in his hypothesis. But when people analyzed those studies, they said, well, this doesn't actually hold up. All these correlations are not correct. And there's a lot of cherry picking that's going on. So this is this is where it, we, we tend to end up. Uh, we, we tend to end up with marketing and we tend to end up with papers that are produced for attention and for status and for clout rather than for actual discoveries. Now, hmm. that said, there is there, there are a couple of really interesting things that we need to note. First and foremost, science is science and it is self-correcting. The reason why we're talking about these things right now is because at some point, enough researchers will look at a study and no matter how long it's defended and how many people it has protecting it, they're going to find the bad data. They're going to find the fraud. They're going to expose it. They're going to start writing and continue writing until they actually get through. Frauds will get exposed because people will try to replicate their studies, fail, and ask, why can't I replicate this? Right. So that brings us to the other question, which is what what do we as lay people do when we're encountered with these studies? How do we tell whether a study is good or bad? Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to ask ourselves, does this study make sweeping claims that I have questions about? Is it very clear on something in a really unusual way. So, for example, you know, when Dr. Oz comes out and says, well, if you uh, consume blueberry ketones, you lose 50 pounds in three weeks. N- no, probably not. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's how you know, like this, this kind of clarity, especially when it comes to health, yeah. when it comes to um, when it comes to social psychology, when it comes to fields where there's a lot of very complicated variables that we're still kind of re- researching and discovering. This is when we should say, hold on a minute. This, it, it can't be that simple. There's, there's no way that it's that simple. No, there's no way it's that simple. And we have to shake our head, which does, um, allow the space of, does the problem lie in the ethics of the person? Probably. But it also lies in the listening of the people and the critical thinking. And that's probably where we should start. I would assume Greg Fish. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. This is this is definitely an exercise in critical thinking. We can't the 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 concern though is when we say let's question everything. It's that that's a good that's a good point. You know, you should question whatever research is is presented to you. 
at the same time, there's only so much that we can question because we might not have the relevant expertise. Mm -hmm. And this is when we need to know these are the limits of the things that we understand. So, for example, uh, we don't discuss when, in the segment, we don't discuss a lot of things about chemistry. And we mm -hmm. don't discuss a lot of things about the fighter mechanics of, of uh, medicine and health because that's not my area of expertise. I know computers. I know physics that are related to computers and some interesting stuff about, about space. I know some basic like critical thinking and experimental design. But those, and those are my strengths. I don't like to go outside of them. I don't feel comfortable talking about those things with, with any um, with any authority. And we should mm -hmm. recognize that in ourselves. We are not doctors. Well, not all of us are doctors. I'm sure some of the people who are listening Although are doctors, I but not all of us are doctors. Yeah, not all of us are doctors. Not all of us are um, are are necessarily scientists. So we need, or rather scientists who have expertise in the specific topic. So what needs to happen is we need to go and look for outside confirmation. If there's something that's mm -hmm. really interesting, we need to do our research. But by doing that research, I mean looking up how many other papers have been written about this topic and what have they found? What are the experts saying? Because a lot of scientists today have blogs, they're on Twitter, they're they're on social media, they're talking about what they think of the study, um, and you can pretty easily find them. You know, for example, if you're curious about a medical topic, there's a blog called um, uh, Science Based Medicine, and they tackle a lot of really trendy misinformation and a lot of um, claims about health that you'll see on daytime TV with actual doctors who are experts who will tell you this is what this is what's actually going on. This is what's flawed with the study, or this is what's right with the study. So that's what I mean. We need to cultivate, for critical thinking, we need to cultivate a good library of sources and experts who can help fill in our blind spots. And it's okay for us to say, well, I don't know this topic. This doesn't sound right to me, but let me find someone who actually knows and understands it. Because, you know, in, in my field, there are people who will write papers that say, I have an AI model that can detect and treat cancer with 100% accuracy. And a lot of people might say, okay, well, computers do a lot of really cool things. Why not? And then people like me will say, well, no, 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 hold on, hold on. What kind of cancer? What do you mean all cancer? There's different kinds of cancer. What kind of model did you use? How did you assemble the model? How, what is your what was your training set like? How did you actually prove it? And we'll get into all those details. And then, again, people like me will write a pretty detailed post about it or Twitter thread or whatnot, dissecting these claims. So mm -hmm. that's that's how we cultivate that critical thinking. We we find trustworthy experts and we see what they say on topics that interest us. Have a conversation about it and don't go rely on Dr. Facebook. Greg Fish, worldofweirdthings.com is where you can find out his blog and all of the stories, including this one too. Um, thanks, Fishy. Say hi to Shaggy. Always a pleasure. I'll give him a scratch just for you. It's the Shift Podcast. Um, let's get started with the International Dispatch. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Spread your leagues. Spread, spread your leagues. I can't hear Chris. Do we have Chris? We lost him. Did he go? He's there. He looks handsome. Ooh, he says. Spread your legs. Spread your legs, love. Oh, there he is. There we spread go. Spread your legs. Hop up on the counter. Spread your legs. Go on. 
(laughs) How was your vacation, buddy? Welcome back. Oh, it was good. It was good. You know, like, um, I was very responsible because, you know, COVID numbers are still out of control here. So we hired a car, um, which is probably a, a shock to, you know, the car owning population of Canada. But yes, I actually rented a car and uh drove out to the to the little bit to the countryside went to the beach stayed in an airbnb i took a surfing lesson and um then went up to the mountains and just stayed in a in a, in a tent for a night um and hmm. up in the mountains so got away from everything and got out of the city which is very hard to do these days so i had a lovely time very good so christopher gilbert is uh uh born and raised new zealander moved to camp moved to japan moved to canada moved back to japan He's been a friend of the shift, colleague of the shift for a long time, and that's where he is. He's in Tokyo. Yeah. I I, I grew my legs in New Zealand, then I came and spread my legs in Japan, and then I spread them a bit further in BC, and, um, you know, I'm doing the splits back here in Japan again. That's how far my legs are apart from each other. Tell me about this guy and why this comment has you lit up. Uh, I just... uh, So... I mean, have you guys covered this much already? Does the audience know the context? Well, we talked about it last night, so why don't we reset the conversation and explain what happened? Sure. Brendan, you got, you got the clip there, Brendan? Yeah, so I'll just intro it. So uh, the Minister of Health in New Zealand is a guy called Chris Hipkins. Um, we have the same first name, but no relation. Uh, he looks like a Cabbage Patch Kid. He's got, uh, well, I mean, you can Google him, Chris Hipkins, H-I-P-K-I-N-S. I I highly encourage, unless you're driving, to to give him a Google image search. Um, But, you know, like New Zealanders, they're in, you know, level, what they call level four lockdown. Um, New Zealanders assume that everyone else knows what this means, but what it actually means is they can't go anywhere or do anything because there's COVID around. Uh, And New Zealanders take this very seriously. So uh, they're locked down and people were kind of, looking at people on the street and uh, being like, oh, they're going for a walk and oh, they don't have masks on and, you know, everyone's a bit judgy, judgy. And uh, someone asked the health minister about this and he said um, they should get out and exercise. And, well, th- this is what he said. Brendan, keep that clip. Look, it is a challenge in higher density areas for people to get outside and to uh, spread their legs. There you go. That's, that's now, what he said. Yeah. He didn't mean it, did he? Well, I don't know. Maybe he's a naturist. You know, like maybe, um, maybe he did mean it. You know, maybe he's always wanted to slip slip that into, um, you know, a, a press conference. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he maybe means stretch his legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if you've seen the clip, I don't know if you've seen the video clip, but um, the video clip has Ashley Bloomfield um, for people in BC, part of Canada. That's kind of like our Bonnie Henry. In New Zealand, he's the director of health in New Zealand, um, and he was to the left of Chris Hipkins. Heard him do the slip of the tongue and did a cheeky little eyebrow raise, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like a little a little <laughs> wink and a nudge at him there, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed um, that moment. I think so. Who knows if it was intentional? I don't know if it was planned. Um, the the concerning thing is, I think Chris Hipkins wanted to make light of this moment and at the end of the press conference as he was leading leaving his little press conference podium he said i'm sure you're all going to have some fun with me later um which is a, a kind of a, a disturbing thing for a minister of health say to say to the, the journalist as he's just encouraged everyone in the country to spread their legs so mm. but 
Yeah, that was I, not a good add-on, that one. Yeah, no, didn't didn't really save himself there. Um, the reason this kind of got me lit up is that for the next, I guess, 48 hours, just every New Zealander on every social media app I have was this like, oh, don't forget to spread your legs, you know, or like doing selfies, being like, just out spreading my legs at the supermarket, oh, 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 oh. doing like um, what I what I mentioned to Shane earlier before we went on air, what I refer to as boomer humor, you know, and just kind of like there's this elbowing kind of like yuck, 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 oh. and I'm just like, it's the minister of health, like, he's not funny, you know, like it's a, it's a slip of the tongue, but like he's a politician, this isn't cool. You know, I don't want to like go on social media and like, oh, did you hear what? Did you hear the one from you know the the, the secretary of finance today? <laughs> you know, but hey, uh, man. if it's it good, it's good. Die. Um, is it good though? Is it? Can we can we get a vote around the table here? Is it a good joke? Well, it's not even a joke. Is it a funny slip of the tongue, Ryan? I think it's a funny as slip a, of the tongue. Okay, as a slip of the tongue, I think it's excellent. Hold on, one sec. He's eating peanut, peanut butter, butter at the yeah. top. Yeah, I still had some peanut butter at the top of my my mouth. I think it's an mm-hmm. excellent slip of the tongue. If he made that as a joke, like if he stopped and went to get out there and you know spread your legs, that would have been cancel him, get him out of there. No, no. But as creepy, a, it's very much like a speaking moistly thing. Yeah. So I, I I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what about Brendan? Are you okay with the spread your legs? I'm not really, really okay with it. No, uh, I tend to think it was a slip of the tongue. Um, yeah. I don't know much about the inner politics of New Zealand. I don't know if he was like trying to distract from something else. So you, know, you never know with these politicians. <laughs> distract from something else by telling everyone to spread their legs. No, I, I think it definitely is very much a speaking moistly kind of moment. Um, our former prime, like these kind of things happen at press conferences in New Zealand. You've got kind of like a weird, like relationship between the press gallery and uh, the prime minister, for example, like everyone's kind of in quotation fingers, mates or friends. Um, like the previous prime minister, John Key once came out and began a press conference, um, by announcing to everyone in the country, he'd just had a vasectomy. Um, so that's kind of the relationship that's uh, that's happening there. And uh, the press gallery, they like they love their their epic burns and they love their slip of the tongues and they like their winking elbowing stories. It makes me die inside, as you all know. Like I hate news, <laughs> but you know they like it, so you know good for them. Let's keep in mind that our most downloaded podcast ever here on the shift was last summer when Teresa Tam made those comments about glory holes in Canada. Oh yeah. So. I oh, would that was up. a great one. See, this is better than that because that was intentional. Like this is this is like this is this was just a slip, and that was just dreadful. So, an image we can't but get out of our minds. I I will just just take on at the end there that if it was a a slip, what kind of a slip is that to mistake the word stretch for the word spread? Like those are two uh, spread, very spread your wings. Concepts. I think it was spread your wings, stretch your legs. That's good. So he he was, um, you know, telling everyone to, you know, go and, you know, do some exercise, but also, you know, be ambitious about it at the same time. Fly. Yeah. Go and fly. Yeah. Makes total well, sense. Well, off I, the hook. I read a lot of Freud. Uh, I, w- I would be interested to know what Freud would think about this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Uh, it was very frightening. No, I think, I think that's what it was. I think it was caught up with the, I think it was two cliches mixed together of spread your wings and, uh, stretch your legs. He could have said, so, go stretch your wings, which would have also been weird. Uh, I mean, I, I, if this story was, um, if the story or this uh, joke or the slip of the thing was a person, I would probably be in now for what I would do to that person. Um, but I do highly encourage the audience to go and Google it, look at the videos, because I think first time round, it is very quite humorous. One um, hundredth time round, you want to bang your head through a wall. So uh, yeah, spread spread your legs, everyone. Go, go spread your fingers on the keyboard and look it up. Sir Christopher Gilbert is in Tokyo. It's the International Dispatch. Uh, monkey love. <laughs> this is more like this is more like the kind of thing I'm into. Um, so the, well, the well, context. Was, oh, well, well, oh yeah. Okay, please don't cut that. Anybody out there? I'm not. Who cares? I'm not famous. No one can cancel me. I've got like 200 followers on Twitter. I'm fine. Um, a Belgian woman has been banned from a zoo. Uh, this is in Belgium. This making sure they call it Belgium. This is what happens in Belgium. A Belgian woman is banned from a zoo because she claims to have had quote an affair with a chimpanzee there. Um, yeah, so far so good. Uh, I don't endorse any of the <laughs> thoughts that come to people's mind when they hear that. It's not that kind of story. Um, what she did was striking up too close of a relationship with one of the primates. But Chris, you say it's a zoo. The monkeys are on one side. Excuse me, the chimpanzees are on one side. The people are on the other. What could possibly happen? Well, her name is Aidy Timmermans. Um, she has been dropping by the Antwerp Zoo on a weekly basis for the sake of seeing Cheetah, a 38-year-old chimp who calls a zoo home. I'm reading from the story now. And this isn't a recent relationship either. Timmermans and Cheetah have been having little rendezvous for the past four years. It sounds kind of one way. I don't think Cheetah has been, you know, you know, answering, you know, cal uh, Google Calendar messages or anything. But apparently, they've been waving and blowing kisses to each other at a distance. Uh, so far, it seems harmless. But apparently, officials have noted that. Uh, well, what do you think? What, what do you think could be the downside of this so far? You know, a lady goes and blows some kisses at the chimp for four years. The chimp blows some kisses back. What could go wrong? The chimp is behaving in a provocative manner in front of the young kids at the zoo oh provocative interesting word very leading a lot comes to mind from the word provocative and, and you're mm. not far off it is about the chance behavior because it, it's kind of harmless you know like the lady likes the, the chimpanzee apparently the chimpanzee is liking the lady but it's detrimental apparently to cheetah's social development because cheetah is being shunned by the other chimpanzees oh. which is terrible like actually right. like that you could you know they're they're got a group mindset you know they're primates um i don't it's not herd mentality is there a, an actual scientific term i mean of course there is i don't know anything about this stuff but you know for like they're, they're group group minded is that what you say group group headed ryan say uh, yeah, you're smart a group of chimpanzees is called a community Okay, I was going to say it's got to be something like that. Yeah. Big okay, brain. but they, they, yeah, they, they, they have an alpha male, or a, you know, and and they, they, they lead their their pack. They've got pack mentality. And uh, the quote here from the zoo is: When Cheetah is constantly surrounded by visitors, the other monkeys ignored Cheetah. 
and don't consider him part of the group, even though it's important for him. Uh, he then sits on his own uh, outside of visiting hours. So uh, when the zoo closes at night, Cheetah is shunned by the other chimps <laughs> because he has a, a girlfriend outside the zoo, which is, you know, Chigolo. it's not very bro behavior, you know? Like, you, you want your squad to have your back here and, and no one's really coming, to, you know, to the... Well, they do say, she, you she know, the old cliche, man. right? Like, uh, bros before zoo patrons. I mean, I, I was thinking of the same adage, but um, I couldn't I couldn't think of a, a good um, a twist to that. But I like that. Bros before zoo patrons. The zoo patron is kind of um, hello though. Like she's not she's a she's a few fries short of a of a Big Mac combo. Um, Timmermans isn't exactly uh, handling the force breakup very well. Apparently, oh, no. um, yeah, she thinks it's an extremely unfair that she has been singled out. I mean, after all, Cheetah gets lots of visitors every day, um, especially given the undeniable bond between Cheetah and Timmermans. She says, we're having an affair. I'll just say, she said, I love that animal and that animal loves me. I haven't, this is so bleak, by the way, this next bit. I haven't got anything else. Why do they want to take that away? Oh my God. Oh, Sorry. That's, oh, oh my lady. God. Isn't that oh. so bad? It makes me feel sad for her. That almost, you know, that gives me, gives me the feel like that she needs one of these. Yeah, I mean, uh, ladies and gentlemen of Canada, the the body language on the Zoom call right now is not encouraging. Ryan is um, about slipping <laughs> off his chair. He's um, very sad. not encouraged. I just, by this. I just wonder at what point in this woman's life, yeah, it was this the destined to happen like what decision led these dominoes to fall that's that's what yeah. i'm thinking about and yeah. at one point in my life did i not make that decision to fall into the same trap i feel like all of us have a turning point maybe we would be the people <laughs> making uh friends with monkeys who knows yeah yeah i don't know i, mean, I don't know if i have that turning point yeah, I was going to say, do you think we all have a fork in the road at some point where it's like monkey love or no monkey love? And um, I'm very interested uh, in what, what age and situation that would be. Yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. more like a banana in a road. <laughs> or you slip, <laughs> okay. you slip on a banana peel and slide down the wrong direction. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. We're going to move on now uh, before that goes any further. <laughs> uh, this is the uh, International Dispatch to Christopher Gilbert. Uh, I hooked this one, so we got to get it in. The okay. If you had a million dollars of money that you stole, what would yeah. you do with it? Yeah, so like a million dollars, right? So I, I, try, like, I try and think of a million dollars, which I don't have. I'm a man of the people. I don't own property. But I try and think of like, okay, I've got a million bucks in my pocket. And all I can think of is like, a new snowboard which is less than a thousand dollars that's all i can think of you know that's the only thing i i'm not a material person i have no idea how anybody spends 1.3 million i don't know what what would you do shay with a million dollars yeah i'd probably uh buy my siphon self a nice little one bedroom apartment in vancouver <laughs> yeah you know that's like a month's rent right i don't know if you can buy an apartment for that in vancouver Boom! Boom! Do I do I get any sound effect for that? Um, Nothing. Come on. Oh yeah, thanks. Better late than never. Um, would you spend? 
would you, <laughs> I don't know if I should ask this question. If you um, had $1.3 million in startup funds, would you spend, would you say, I don't know, rough number, $900,000 of that on cam girls? Well, that's a trick question because if the answer is not 900000 then it leads you to a whole different conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, it would be great if the answer was, uh, you know, not $900,000. And this, you know, just leave, it, it. Leave, it, leave it hang in there. Um, this is exactly what happened in Maryland. Uh, a 48-year-old man called Manish Singh um, has been accused of buying hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of online pornography using a Virginia couple's investment money. He's been now sentenced to prison. He spent $900,000 of uh, $1.26 million, uh, I think, or $1.3 million, um, just on tips. <laughs> Tips for um, Tips. live streaming cam girl websites. Oh um, 900,000. Like, how much porn is that? You that know is free that's... porn, right? Like, yes. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> yes, oh. I do. Everyone knows that. Like, wow. It's, it's crazy. And the, the crazier thing is what with this Virginia. So, okay, the Virginia couple who are not named, obviously. Uh, gave him $1.3 million to start some kind of fashion startup because uh, apparently he has great ties to the fashion industry. I Googled his name and in Maryland, found his LinkedIn, which has one uh, company on it since 1999, which is Victor Rossi, R-O-S-S-I. If you Google Victor Rossi, you'll get a whole bunch of plumbers, landscape gardeners, uh, boat sales dealerships, but you won't get any company. You have to Google hmm. Victor Rossi fashion and get a website which looks like it was made in 1999. It nice. is it is all just like uh, Netscape HTML nonsense. It, it doesn't even look like it's Web 2.0. It, it's archived, I'm fairly sure. Um, it's got clip art, for goodness sake. And apparently <laughs> this uh, Virginia couple were like, this man, who, who and they, they, here's a catalog on the website, and it's all... Um, Miss Albania 2002 is wearing Victor Rossi. It's just this guy, right? And it's like wow. uh, Miss Teen USA 1999 is wearing Victor Rossi here on the far left. What couple in Virginia thought it was a good idea to give this man $1.3 million? Because I would think after looking at his credentials, if I gave him $1.3 million, at least $900,000 of that is going towards pornography. That's exactly what I would think. Crazy people. I want to hear the meeting where they say get the update and they say, "Hey, so how's uh, how's the new company coming along? Uh, do you got an update on on the things?" And um, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we've got a, a Mark Zuckerberg um, Winklevoss Winklevi situation here. I would love to see the social network remade, but instead of um, a couple of um, you know Olympic rowers chasing up Mark Zuckerberg to make a website for them, it's an elderly couple in Virginia just chasing a guy about their fashion. And I don't want to say what the guy is doing, but it'll make the social network a whole lot different. Oh man, that's incredible. Uh... Wow, that's a that's a big, great international dispatch there, Chris, taking us a welcome. little tour around the world into, in some cases, the dark alleys of the storytelling. Thanks, Chris. Great to see you. Glad you're back, buddy. Yeah, glad to be back. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.